worship you, Lord, with all of my heart. Boldly approach your throne, grateful for all you've done. I come to worship you, Lord, with all of my heart. Praise the On the 4th of March, 1933, outside the east portico of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., in the United States of America, it's the height of the Great Depression that had crippled the country, and at that moment in time, Franklin D. Roosevelt's hand is placed on his 16th century family Bible, a Dutch family Bible. The pages are opened at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and in that moment, he is signed in as the 32nd president of the United States. His inauguration speech has gone down in history. He said, so first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Let me say it that again. 
First of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. It's nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. We need to realize that in this period that he's talking was probably the darkest period of America's history. It was the Great Depression where, where, where money would almost become worthless, where businesses had caved and, and where people really had nothing at all to, to live on for most of the states. You need to realize that here is a man who has struggled, struggled in his health. A man who had lived with and was living with polio and the effects of that in his body. And yet here is a man who, who says that fear is a non-existent nemesis that no, oh, sorry, that says uh, is nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. He recognized the situation that the country was in. He recognized that the situation was going backwards and actually something needed to happen to arrest and to stop this sense of fear that seemed to be pervading the country, that seemed to stop them in their tracks and be, be, enable them to begin to go forward. Fear is something that, that locks you in your past, that denies you of your present opportunity and prevents your future at the same time. When you get stuck in a cycle, in a pattern of fear, it, it stops you because all you remember is that thing that often is in your past. That is often that thing that is, is stopping you because you think, I can't do this because. This can't happen because. And in that, because of the thing that happened many, maybe many decades or maybe even just a month ago that, that stops you from moving on in, in your life and your, your development and your growth and who you are, it stops you right on that day as well. Because you never really move out of yesterday because you're always locked in it because of that fear that's got you as a prisoner, that's got you. It's as though fear becomes a stranglehold around the oxygen of your faith that wants to, to, to stop you believing. We, we've sung, we've, we've prayed, we've shouted today and celebrated today about the fact that, that whatever we're going through, God's with us. Of the fact that, that, that because he lives, because Jesus is not dead, he is alive, that we can face whatever's going to come our way. Are we singing a lie or are we believing truth, church? Are we believing that our God is able? Whatever mountains that we face, our God is able. And I was in the front, I just had this uh, going through my, my mind, this, what have you got faith for? That, I believe, was a, a little challenge from heaven into our hearts and into our lives, saying, what have we got faith for? You know, the Bible said we've got faith the size of a mustard seed. We'll be able to say to the mountain, move and it will be moved. So what have you got faith for? What are we going to trust God for? You know, in, in that whole realm of faith, it's about moving out from what is familiar and moving out from what we know. It is the realm of the unknown, but it is the realm of God. And we need to, as church, be really in that place where fear doesn't stop us, but fear might fuel us. And say, God, I'm not going to let this thing stop me. God, I'm going to trust you. You know, fear almost becomes that non-existent nemesis that gnaws at your thoughts. That's almost there in the background of your mind. That's there late at night or early in the morning whenever your head starts to, to kick in that just gnaws at your thoughts It begins to say, what's going on? Why is that? Why this? Do you think this is going to happen? What about this? What about that? What about the next thing? And causes your mind and causes your head to race. 
the writer of Psalm 138 that we've been looking at as a church. We've got through verse 1 and we've got through verse 2. We're now in verse 3 and we're going to move quicker through the, the, the psalm um, over the next number of weeks than we have done is in the first half of the year we, we rested in, in God's name and in God's word. And in Psalm 138, let me read the whole lot of it to you because it's been a little while since we've really read that, that, that psalm. This is a psalm of David the king. And he says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, and when they hear the words of your mouth, may they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. When King David had just had a moment in God, he had just declared the loftiest name and the loftiest title of who God was and who he, he was towards him in verses 1 and in verses 2. But he says, I'll praise you, O Lord, with all my heart before the gods uh, in inverted commas and lowercase g because they're not really gods I will sing your praise I'll bow down towards your holy temple will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness for you've exalted above all things your name and your word and it's though he then goes and switches from verse 2 into verse 3 it's as though he switches from the mountaintop to the valley of reality it's as though he's come from a place he's saying, you know, before the gods, I'm going to sing your praise, your name, your word, it's higher, it's greater. And then he comes to the reality of his life and the reality of where he's living. And he's saying, you need to make me bold and stout-hearted. So he's saying in, in that moment, you know, I, I, I've lifted my head towards you. In my heart, I know who you are and I know what you can do in, in that moment. And often for us, I think we can take on the gods, but we struggle with the kings. We can take on the gods and, and we know that God is higher, God is greater, that Jesus is one at all. But what about some of the things that we face down here? What about some of the things that's in our, our moments? And it's almost as though I kind of see in my head as though this is Sunday morning versus Monday morning. We know what one Monday morning is? Another day to praise God. To celebrate and to rejoice. To skip and dance round the shower and get ready for the day that's going to come before us with the opportunities and the blessing. Okay then. Good, we need to go into verse 3, certainly. He's talked about, God, you're great. He's talked about, God, your love is awesome. He's talked about your faithfulness, God, that goes on from generation to generation. He's talked about his high name. He's talked about the power of his word that he exalted above everything. But he has to say, but when I called you answered, you made me bold and stout-hearted. Word that sums up bold and stout-hearted is really brave. God, you made me brave. 
Now, you don't need to be brave unless you're facing some things that's a little bit scary. Yeah? Sorry if I'm teaching folks to, the, you know, the basics and kind of sucking eggs slightly, but, but in my head, you know, you only face, you only need to be braver, you need to be bold the moment that you're facing something that's scary. So he's facing something that's a little bit scary, and he goes on to talk about kings. He, in fact, he goes on in verse 7, he says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Is there anybody that's been in that place before? You seem as though, you know, it's always the, the troubles are all around about you. It's as though some things are just encircling you and, and, and camping around about you, want to press in and to want to stop you. And in that moment, in those days where there's some kings that you would love to hear praising God, but right now they're not. And by kings, it's those that are in authority, those that have got positions of power or influence that might be over you. David's saying, I want to hear them praise. Lord, I want to hear them at the top of their voices and with all the breath that's in their lungs, praising and declaring who you are. Something has happened in David's life and in David's situation that is becoming a faith-defining moment. Is God who he says that he is? Is God who David believes that he is? Not just in theory, but in the practice and in the reality of his life. He faces a challenge he faces a situation. In these moments, for David and for us, it's where history, the Holy Bible, and our help all collide. It's where our history of all the things that's going on in our life, the good things, the bad things, the indifferent things, all those moments where God has been faithful, been good, brought his breakthrough, brought his victory, brought his character development through some of those challenges in our lives where we say, up to this point has God blessed me. Up to this point, he has been faithful, he has been good, that I can have a confidence in God because of, and we begin to reel out situations in our backstory. It's where the Holy Bible, where we, where we hear of the story of God, of the rescue of God, of the power of God, of the reality of God, the judgment of God, and the grace of God all in there together. We hear of a God who is a good, good father, who wants to bless his children, who wants to meet his children. We hear of the Savior who loves us, who loved us enough to come down to this world and to die on the cross for us so that our sin might be forgiven. We hear of a Jesus that says, cast all your anxiety and your burden onto me because he cares for us. And in that moment, we have a help. And in that moment, when it gets too much for us, there's somewhere we can go. There's someone we can go to. We don't need to carry it all, but sometimes we do, church. And in the moment, we carry it often fear begins to want to come along and jump on top of what we're carrying. We need to be brave, not in our own strength, but in the strength of God. If today you feel weak, if today you feel overwhelmed because of what is coming against you, or what has come against you, of just what you're living in, can I say to you, please, 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 do not suffer in silence. Call out, but then Listen. The guy who was Elam's general superintendent, uh, historically, Reverend Wynne Lewis, the guy who interviewed me for ministry, one of his phrases was saying, God's given you one mouth and two ears and expects to, you to use it in proportion. And as we come to God, yes, we can call out, we cry out, we must, we need to, we can't do it on our own, we need him, but I tell you, he wants to be involved in our life. But once we cry out, the best thing that we can do is listen. 
Listen to his response. Listen to his, his answers that he would want to come and he'd want to speak back to you. Why? Because he wants you to move beyond the fear. And I was having a little think during the week. Lord, when we call out to you, what's the kind of thing that you would want to speak into our lives? What's the kind of thing that the God of heaven, God of the angel armies, our loving heavenly father would want to say and speak into our lives and situations when we face some fear-inducing moments? When we face some moments that want to stop us, cripple us, paralyze us, stop us moving on in our faith and strangle the oxygen of our, of our Christian faith and life out of us, what would God want to speak? Number one, I think God would want to speak affirmation. He would want to speak faith, strength, confidence over your life. The amplified rendition of this scripture, uh, verse 3 of Psalm 138 says that in the day when I called, you answered me. You strengthened me with strength. I'm God is quite good at being God, isn't he? And isn't it just like the God thing to know that when we're weak and where we need to be strengthened, what are we going to be strengthened with? I'm not going to do that. No, with strength. He wants to strengthen us with strength. In the Amplified Bible, there's a wee open bracket, and it says, might and inflexibility to temptation. Which makes me think that an awful lot of what David's facing is in the inside. There's temptation that's coming along the way that wants to divert his attention, that wants to take him away from God's plan, from God's purposes, from his relationship with God, and wants to stop him moving forward in his relationship and in his mission and his responsibilities and the things of God. How often is that the case for us? We feel weak, we feel fear. We feel under the cosh of temptation. So the enemy's whispering in our, in our ear. Don't do that. Don't believe this. Don't go this way. So to yourself. So to the flesh. So to the world. In the day when I called, you answered and you strengthened me with strength, with a might and inflexibility to temptation. He wants you strong so that you can stand in the things of God. Therefore, it's back to what we've spoken about before the last number of weeks. You may need to go back online and check some of the, 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 the videos and the live stream broadcasts of the, um, of the sermons the last couple of weeks because we've spoken very much about standing on the Word of God but having the Word of God over our lives. We spoke about how Jesus used the Word of God to overcome temptation, to be filled and to be led by the Holy Spirit. You need to check out that message from a couple of weeks ago. But I want to tell you this, he wants to strengthen you with strength so that you may be bold in the things of God. So that you may be able to live out that he is, his name and his word is higher than anything else. That you may be a living evidence to that. It is like Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6 being told, be strong and courageous as he is to lead the people. It's him being told, get ready. You know, the people are going to move out and they're going to move out into their inheritance. It's saying there's an old chapter in the life of the nation that is gone. There is a new chapter, a new day that's coming, new leadership that is there. Moses, his servant, is dead. And he's saying to to Joshua, you need to be strong, you need to be courageous. There might be some giants in the land that you're going to face, but I tell you, there's some battles that's worth facing and worth fighting when God's inheritance is, you, is there for you. Oh, we wish that God would just remove the giants like that. 
somebody who's five foot four, it would be a regular prayer. God, remove the giants. God, remove the giants. God, remove the giants. It would be Aaron and I the whole time. You know, but... But he doesn't remove the giants, does he? But does he strengthen us to face them? Yes, he does. Is it scary to face some giants? Yes, it is. But he wants to make me brave he wants to make me bold and he wants to make me stout-hearted in the middle of it all i think god would want to speak some affirmation over your life if you're feeling a little bit scared and a little bit under it at the moment i think god would want to speak about identity i think god would want to speak and say i know who you are and i know where you are i know everything about you the good and the bad and the oh that stuff as well and i still love you And I know who you are in Jesus. And that's the deal breaker. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty ordinary at the best of days. You know, I peak at mundane without Jesus. Some of you are like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Some of that's family. (laughs) Listen, Father in heaven knows where you are, knows everything about you, knows who you are in him. That's a declaration from heaven being spoken over your life, being spoken to those who are looking on and to those who are coming against you. I want to encourage you, receive it and act. It is King David who steps out against Goliath. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 41 to 45, the shepherd boy, not yet king, has has come to visit the battle scene in the battleground. Um, And the Philistines are coming against the the armies of Israel. There's this massive giant of a man called Goliath, who's the champion of the Philistines, who's coming and he's really giving them a hard time. And he's he's shouting and bawling and he's declaring this and declaring that and saying, send your best out. Come on and have a go if you think you're hard enough and you're big enough and you're strong enough and I'll take you out. But we'll go one-on-one and whoever wins, then, then that nation wins this battle. And the shepherd boy comes because his big brothers are, are enlisted in the army. And the shepherd boy's saying, what's he doing? Because he's an enemy of God. And his brothers don't like hearing their wee brother noising them up. Because really what he's saying is, how come you guys aren't doing the business on God's behalf? And the king begins to hear about it and he finds himself out in front, in front of the king and, and all of a sudden the king's trying to put his armor on him and David's giving it, no, this don't fit me, this don't work, this isn't God's plan, that's not God's strategy. And he finds himself down at the river and he gets some stones and he's got his sling. And we join the moment when David, with no armor, with no sword, with no, no spear, is standing against this uh, Kevlar-suited and booted Philistine giant in front of him. And in verse 41 of 1 Samuel 17, it says, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over, and he saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come with me? It sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And he said, come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Now there's a happy thought. David said to the Philistine, an unhappy thought for him. You come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He knew who he was in God. And he knew that as he stood in who he was in God, that it didn't really matter who he faced or what he faced. 
Goliath's words versus David's declaration. What's going to be in your ears, but most importantly, what's going to come out your mouth? There are some giants who are going to say some bad and nasty things about you. I'm sorry, I wish it was another way. I wish God had some bubble wrap for us and some cotton wool for our ears. You know, just at our Christian list on Spotify that we could just listen to the whole time. But the reality is there are some folks who are going to say nasty things about us. There are some things where there are going to be moments where there are people who want to actually come against us and who want to do us damage that they might want to give our flesh to the birds of the air. I know. Not a happy meal for them. Make, book them an appointment at the vet. But in those moments, are we going to let the words that they, he, they speak seize us, control us, let fear come? Or is there going to be a declaration that's going to come from our heart and into our mouth, but actually finds its source as being in heaven? Are we going to trust our identity in God? So affirmation, identity number three, I think God would want to speak his presence over us to remind us that we are not alone. You know, often fear's tactic is isolation. You're the only one, you'll never be, you can't, the what ifs. God's not for you, God's not with you, he doesn't care. What if these lies just give a foothold in our, in our head that's going to flourish into fear? But a fear that robs you of peace, robs you of joy, and stops you in your future in God's. I think of Gideon, who in Judges chapter 6 and verse 12 was being told, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, as he's hidden in a wine press, press threshing wheat. He's doing something somewhere that he, he shouldn't have been doing, that he couldn't have been doing it, not because it's sinful, just because, you know, to thresh wheat, you need some air and there's no air in a wine press. You need to be above ground. You need to be visible. You need to be evident for it to actually have anything really good that's going to be happening. And yet in this moment of hiddenness, in this moment where he, he turns around and he says, I'm the least, I'm the worst, I'm, I'm the one who's got, you know, it's a description in scriptures, though he's got lank hair as though, you know, I'm not even very pretty to look at. I'm not very good. There's nothing going for me, God. But yet God says, I am with you, mighty warrior. It's not that he's a mighty warrior. It's more the fact that God's with him. And because God's with them, it makes them a mighty warrior. And you might not think that you're the best. You might not think you're greatest. You might actually think you're the least and you're the worst. And like Gideon, you're having a bad hair day if you've got hair. But in the middle of it all, God comes and says to you, I am with you, mighty warrior. Will we believe it, church? Will we allow something to rise up within us? See, fear says, I can't. Failure says, I never Frustration says I want, won't, but the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We're called to abundant life. We're called to a relationship and experience of Jesus where we with the apostle um, Paul can say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You shall, you will, and in the name of Jesus, you can. You see, bravery is not the absence of fear but it's the ability to overcome it. The Apostle Paul knew a thing or two about believing beyond fear. He was a man who seemed to stir up trouble wherever he went. <laughs> wherever he went, there was a riot. The city was in uproar. And there were times where he had to escape. There are times where he was before courts. There are other times where he found himself in prison. There are other times where he found himself beaten to within an inch of his life stoned, flogged, shipwrecked, you, you name it, he's done it. The t-shirt that he would wear worn would be huge with all the things that he would have to put on it. 
But in Romans chapter 8, in verses 35 to 39, he says this. Beyond all those scary situations, those fear-filled moments that he's faced in his life and in his ministry, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our God, our Lord. There is nothing that can separate us. Church, there's nothing that can separate you. Church, there's nothing that can separate you. It doesn't matter where it comes from, who it comes from, or what it is. It cannot separate you. We need to be brave in our thinking, in our discipleship, in our God choices, in trusting our in Christ identity. Because who he says it is, is the real deal. Everything else is just caricature and is just is, is, is a pale imitation, fake of who we might be. We need to be brave, not just in our thinking, but in our testimony, that we honor God with our lips, our life, and our lifestyle that we walk the talk and we talk the walk, that we honor him and our everything with a, with a holy love and a holy devotion. It's not just being brave in our thinking and our testimony. We need to be brave in our trusting. We are called to live a life of faith and of prayer, to step out as kingdom carriers, as, as Christ's ambassadors that live authentic lives, that is fully engaged with our world, yet not being tarnished by the world that lives in the world, but not of the world. Christ's ambassadors bring his values, his vision, his way to a needy, to a hurting, to a dark, and to a sinful world. We need to be brave in our thinking. We need to be brave in our testimony. We need to be brave in our trusting. We need to be brave in truth versus something that's become really prevalent today, something that's been dubbed my truth where what's true for you can be true for you, but what's true for me can be completely opposite and can be true for me. We follow the way, the truth, and the life. The word of God declares the truth, and we need to live on it, and we need to live under it. The word of God is our absolute authority. It's one of the previous messages that I've preached. It is embodied in King Jesus, and we need to love him, and we need to live for him. Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, who also was going through some, some, some fairly challenging times and challenging moments. And, and he was calling him out from the moment that he was in. He was calling him in his pastoral ministry to live beyond the fear. And Paul gave to Timothy three things to help him overcome some scary situations, some scary people, and some scary horizons that he was facing. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, 7, many of you will know it already. He said, for God did not give us a spirit of fear or of timidity, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Power is a strength to endure and a strength to overcome. 
This is a dynamis moment that, that work that's there that's also used in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, where the Holy Spirit gives you power to enable you to stand and to bear witness to the risen Savior, to the reality of his kingdom and its authority in our lives. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul again writes, that we are to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So just as as we're reading there in the amplified version of Psalm 138 and verse 3, where it's, you know, where we'll be inflexible and being able to be strong and overcoming internal temptation that's, that's there. We are to be strengthened with power from his spirit in the inner man. If you're facing some fearful temptation moments, the enemy's coming against you and fear wants to come rushing in. Strengthen yourself in your inner man. Go and have a word with yourself. But let the word with yourself be the things of God. Allow the Holy Spirit into your life and situation. It's power. It's love. The greatest commandment, Mark 12, verses 28 to 31, something that was our our theme um, a year or so ago in church, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as. But do we love ourselves? Our love, it's our love for him, it's our love for ourselves, our love for others, and his love for us. 1 John chapter 4 and verses 16 and verse 18 says, God is love, and it says perfect love casts out all fear. So we want to rest in this perfect love of Daddy God, the God of the angel armies, the Lord God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We want to rest in that love. We want to rest in that saving love because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son into the world. Whoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. It's power, it's love, and it's a sound mind. It's owning our thoughts. It's arresting those negative, those ungodly thoughts. It's fostering God's thoughts. It's focusing on God's word. If it's all getting too much for you, it's saying, I'm going to stop in my thinking. I'm going to phone somebody. I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to speak to somebody. If this is getting too big for me, I need to invite God to come in. If there's a thought that I just can't get shifted out of my head, I'm going to get a prayer partner. I'm going to get a disciple who's going to follow me, follow in faith and support me in faith. And I'm going to go to, I'm going to say, going to help me. Going to pray with me? Can we call out together so that he might make me brave, bold, stout hearted? In those moments when it's as though the enemy's pressing in, when fear is is coming your, your way, it might be when something has seized your thoughts that you might want to turn to something that's going to just bless you. Something that you can think and put your, put your thoughts on. Paul writes to the church at Philippi and in Philippians chapter 4, um, in verse 4 and going on, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't even let fear get in there. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Sound mind is saying, Lord, I'm going to fill my mind with God thoughts. 
with the word of God. I'm going to let the spirit of God help me in these moments. Love power and a sound mind. Back to Roosevelt's hands on the Bible, knowing the speech that he's about to, to make. I don't think his hand rested on that centuries-old, 16th-century Dutch family Bible. I don't think as he declared those ancient truths and had it open at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, as his fingers touched the ink page, what would have been in his mind would have been, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And the God who is love, the Son who displayed the extent of his love in the cross, and the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live in that love and to display it to others, all conspire to answer when we call that cry, it says, when I called you answered. You made me bold and stout-hearted. Can I encourage you, church? Live beyond the fear. Live beyond the fear. God bless you. Let's pray. Worship team, do you want to come and join me? We do want to take a moment of response. I'm aware that as I've spoken, the, the scripture and the word of God and those various scriptures have been... Um, spoken out and spoken over your life that right now they can find a resting place in our hearts that right now in these moments that heaven can come and help us that right now in these moments there may be a fresh cry and call that's going up from this place to heaven because there are people who are in need in here people who are facing some situations in this room, people who are facing some temptations in this building, people who feel stopped in their tracks knowing that God has promised much in their future, but fear has seized them and stopped them. In fact, even there's at least one person here today and it's he's saying I'm not going to do it because I did I, I step, stepped out before and I get hurt and I get wounded and you are almost choosing to remain static not willing to make that step and that leap into the realm of what you don't know, what you can't control, where you can't damage, limit. And your Father in heaven says, come on, son. Your Father in heaven says, I am with you. You need to leave the old way of thinking behind. Because your Father in heaven knows that frustration is killing you. Because you don't want to be hurt 
but you don't want to live where you're at right now either. Father in heaven says, will you come? Come on, let's go a walk. Your Father in heaven says, put your eyes on me. Don't worry about what's around about you. Put your eyes on me. Because I've got this and I've got you. Come on, let's go for a walk. This morning, the Lord's been talking to you. This morning, your Father in Heaven's been highlighting some things that are coming against you that He wants to help you move beyond the fear and overcome. This morning, you know that you would love somebody to stand beside you and just to pray for the Father's affirmation, His presence over your life. I want to invite you to come and to stand at the front here. The prayer ministry team can begin to move as well, please. If you know you need to meet with the Lord, if you know you need to surrender some things to the foot of the cross, if you know that you're going to choose to no longer One of the ways that you can get involved, get connected and pray is by joining in with something called Engage Prayer. We've got this crazy dream to gather thousands of people across the Elim movement on one night online to pray together with Elim for the kingdom for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. This autumn we will be hosting Elim's first ever online interactive prayer and worship gathering. Please be part of the story. Come on, let's make history. Let's make the most of prayer. Let's pray.